Ooh, that looks tasty. Welcome, folks. Today, the Hungry Gamer is back for another episode of Boards and Brews. And today, for the first of many times, I assume, uh, I'm joined by Original Don, one of the two designers of Backyard Chickens and co-host of Dialing It In. And this year, I am going to be making a point to do podcast more often i kind of fell in last year with um having a hard time scheduling other reviewers on and as it turns out we're going to be doing less of the dialing it in this year so i asked don to kind of be my co-host for this pretty much it well at the very least anytime that we want to do a podcast and i don't have another reviewer who wants to come on and whether or not he wants to come on when other people do that's to be determined we'll see See how much he likes it. Though the fact that he's wearing another channel's, another podcast shirt on this podcast makes me think maybe not. Could not find the merch link on your page. Well, you got to make it. You don't have a web page. That's what the real fan does. The real fan makes you know, their merch. I expect. You're right. I am failing you. You're right. Yeah. You need to get a white t-shirt and some puffy paint and make it happen. All right. I'm on it. Next episode, puffy paint shirt. I hope. Good. All right. But so most of you have already seen or heard. Uh, heard? I'm just saying. Most of you have already seen Don go in. He's the one of the, 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 the smart ones and dialing it in. And then there's me with the blather. So we're going to kind of jump in and see what happens. So, Don, you get to skip most of the rapid fire questions. But just so everybody knows, who the crap are you? And what is your brewed beverage tonight? Sure. So, um, crappy. I don't have as, as impressive an answer as your usual guest, but I am just the guest guest for when you don't have a real guest. So, um, the short version of everything Will said earlier is I'm always available. So when he can't get somebody else, there's me waiting in the wings. Um, so anyway, uh, like you said, I'm I'm one of the designers. I'm the secondary designer of a, a deck builder called Backyard Chickens that was published earlier this year. Uh, its primary designer is my son, Adrian. He is 20. He was 15 when we started working on that game. It, it's something that we did for fun because we liked hanging out in the protospiel rooms at Bay Area conventions. And uh, it, it turned into a real thing. Um, the happenstance and by happy connections and a good friend who wanted to publish it. And so we're very proud of it. Um, so that's who I am. Uh, my brute beverage. Uh, so this is the work that I do for you, Will. I went to Fieldwork Brewing today and did a flight just to make sure I could pick a good flavor. It's just, it's just a coincidence that I had a work thing there. Uh, so I have a, so I put it in a glass to be classy for you, but it is a Mexican lager called Campos de Rios. And I'm probably mispronouncing some of that, but it's very good. It has hints of like seven or eight different things according to the menu. The most intriguing one is corn pops. I'm still trying to find that in there, but it's very good. It's light and refreshing. It's it's great. I don't know that that, that corn pop that doesn't uh, it doesn't sound good at all. But I was uh, debating between this and uh, a vanilla milk stout called Ice Cream Castles. Oh, that sounds terrible too. That's yeah, pretty good. Oh, well, I'm glad you uh, suffered and went out and got a flight. Uh, I am having a Fort Point Rattler, which is their Yuzu beer. Uh, Fort Point, don't have a sponsor anymore. 
Still waiting for that call. They're not going to call, but they should. You know, I would do it for like one beer per episode. Like that that's all it would take. If you're like me, they text you all the time though. That's true. I should start texting back. I'm like, yeah, this is great. Send me that. <laughs> send me about that for the podcast. All right. But so let's jump in now. Uh, those of you watching or listening, this is going to be a little bit longer than, than usual because it's been a while. And I have a lot of games that I've been wanting to talk about for a while. So all the ones that I'm about to talk about are not necessarily games that I've been playing recently, recently, but I've played in the recent past and just haven't gotten around to making a video or talking about before in depth. So today, because Don is a captive audience and has nowhere to be, he's hiding from his children. We're going to do it. So we're going to start. I'll let you go first, Don. What have you been playing lately? And then after that, we'll get to, you know, what's on the table for next. Sure. So I, I like to actually follow the format. So I have been playing these games lately. Uh, oh, I don't have them. I know. I don't have them all in front of me, but the, the first one that I had in mind, it's so pretty. I had to show it on camera also. This is one that you were kind enough to loan me. We played it together and you let me take it home to play with the family. It's called Delicious. It's uh, the first roll and write or flip and write that Pencil First Games has put out. And um, we're a big Pencil First completionist here. So need to get my own copy of this game, of course. But um, their games are just charming. I think they're Ed is good at picking great artists. You know, Herbaceous is one of his early games, and Beth Sobol was one, was the artist on that game. And this is long before Wingspan, so he's obviously got a good eye. Um, delicious. And I think fun. actually, it's, I think this is the yeah. same artist that did uh, Floriferous, if yes. I am correct. Now, uh, but yes. before we, do we keep talking about it, what do you do in the game? Because no, no, I was like, yeah. this is the copy that uh, Pencil First was kind enough to, to send me. And mm -hmm. uh, Don is the expert on this one because Don has played this game significantly more than I have. But uh, so what, what do you do in the game? Just a, you know, 30 second overview. Yeah. So you're primarily, you're farming fruits and vegetables. Uh, you have six different containers of vegetables and there are rules like all of the ones in this container have to be the same and all the ones in this one have to be pears and all the ones in this one have to be different. So there are rules for, what you can place in there. Um, you score based on the highest row you filled up and you're flipping cards every round um, and drawing tokens out of a bag. And, you know, everybody loves drawing tokens out of the bag these days. Um, and you pick a card and you take the token that's next to it and that token will either show you a tool or a fruit and you put the vegetable in an appropriate container and you put the fruit. One of the cool things about it is like, so I don't know how good the camera work is here, but this is the sheet where you're planting your vegetables and then you've got one big container for fruits. And then you have a secondary sheet because all rolling rights have to have two sheets now. Um, Unless you are uh, based off the Twilight Imperium universe and then you get four. Absolutely, that's right. Uh, but the cool thing is you have like 12 turns in this game and there are 12 circles to, to cross off here. One of them is I'm gonna take one of the cards and I'm gonna put it where it is, either upper or lower. And then there's another one that's, I'm going to take both of the cards and put them in upper and lower as, as they are situated. And for those who are just listening, when he's talking about opposite. upper and lower, when you place out yeah. the cards at the beginning, you place one that is the top card, one that's the bottom card, and they correlate to the main board where you have spaces on the top of the sheet you're drawing on or the bottom of the sheet. Yeah. So it probably doesn't all make sense, but the cool thing is like you have a limited number of each of those choices. And so 
as you cross them out, you're limiting how many times you're going to get to use it in the future. And eventually you run out of each and you get to that last turn and there's only one thing you can do and you hope it works for what you've been trying to collect. Unless you're so, playing like me and then you've forgotten to cross something out at some point and then you have many, many choices at the end of the game. That's right. And you still manage the person. There's only that one person that's like, wait, I have four circles left. How do you all have three circles left? So that was Will when we played it together. Oh, yeah. Uh, anyway, it's, it's delightful. It's charming. It's a very chill game, like a lot of the pencil first games. Um, they aren't all chill. Uh, but, you know, the, the smaller box ones that he that he puts out, um, delicious, floriferous, herb, herbaceous, uh, they're all very relaxing. They're all easy to get to the table. And I like this one. I enjoy it quite a bit. Yeah, I you know I enjoyed it too. It, it's um, a simpler roll and write than, than I've been into lately, or flipping right, whatever than I've been been into lately. I love Hadrian's Wall. I even I've only played it once. Uh, my wife and I we like Twilight Inscription, and enough to where you know my wife says you need, you need to buy this thing. So we we have that, but of course that's a heavier one. And even though technically it is not a flip and write, Guild of Merchant Explorers is basically a flip and write game, mm-hmm. just with little wooden pieces. But all of those have more going on. They're longer games. This was quick. I mean, it must have been fifteen minutes to play the game. Yeah, and, but, but still inky, interesting choices. Yeah. yeah. What I really like, I really like that top and bottom choice where you're picking the cards and then the ability to a couple times a game say, "I'm going to take both." I want to take both mm-hmm. of them and put them wherever the crap I want. And mm-hmm. uh, I, I think making that choice is great because I'll be damned if at the end of the game, I didn't think I wish I hadn't gotten rid of my do whatever I want with both of them. Cause I yeah. clearly wasted it. It was a stupid choice earlier, which I, which I really enjoyed. And even though the, what you're writing on doesn't have a ton of art on it though. I do extra points cause it has draw your own environment yes. on the back it of has the, the, the black and white back where you can draw your own containers yeah uh bust up the, the, the puffy paint the cards the this artist i think her name is clementine i think is, is her name clementine campardu yeah she the way she draws flowers and plants and stuff is just stunning so when you stop and mm-hmm. look at it it is a stunning stunning thing but yeah i overall i i enjoyed it it's quick it's easy it, it's like it, it reminded me a little bit of three sisters which is another one that i like but just less you know it's just it's just less yeah it's three sisters when you don't have an hour to spare right right an hour yeah. who are you playing that game with oh my gosh clearly not me it's probably why i lose you know this must be why we both lose games so much probably yep all right, so I'll jump into to, to my, my first one. My, my first one is the one that's the furthest back, and that is Small Islands from Lucky Duck Games. And this is a very light tile-laying game. It's got some interesting choices of you're, you're choosing you know, where, where to place these islands. You're building, as you can imagine, wait for it, small islands. And you're building these small islands, and you're trying to make sure that on each island you have X number of symbols, the more symbols of the whatever's you're looking for you have, the more points you're going to get. And it's just a really fast, quick, light tile laying game. I don't want to say it's like baby's first tile layer, but it, it's close. I mean, this is the one to where if you got that, if you like tile laying games a lot, and you're like, oh man, I wish I could get someone to play all my Scott Caputo games with me. And you wanted to make someone get, get there, you could start them with small islands because it's got enough decisions to make where it has 
interesting decisions to make, but really every turn you're making one decision. Like that's all you're doing. You make one choice, put it out and you go. It's really cute. It is a cute little game. Not, not for the, those who are looking for something super, super heavy, but I also don't think that's what it's intended to be. And it's, it's, it looks pretty good too. It's got some, some nice art on it. Nice. Everything. It's lucky duck. So, you know, you're going to be able to find a copy. Uh, have you, you haven't played this one at all. Have you Don? Not. Well, that was riveting, uh, riveting audio there. But back to you, Don. What, what's your next one? It's the first I've heard of that one, but it sounds interesting and love anything that will will introduce people to Tile Lang. Yeah, well, um, I have to. I'm going to just like circle back on that. I don't think Scott Caputo mm-hmm. listens to this stuff, but I, I like most of his games, his um, all mm-hmm. of his Tile Lang games. But I, I just can't get people to play him with me. Every now and then, you get someone to play 100 Tory with me. Another mm-hmm. pencil first game, but no one will play sorcerer city with me i just can't that's a shame yeah it's so it's so much fun i mean the only problem that that one i think has is you have all the different monsters and they'll do something different and you're regularly like if someone that gets a monster comes up like wait what does this do you have to like stop the clock and pause and explain it but it is such that's such a clever little game but not one that we're technically talking about now i see the next one you listed one that we just played together so we can actually have a real conversation about your next one yeah, and by the way, I, I neglected to mention Delicious is designed by Steve Finn and Eduardo Baraf. And Eduardo is Pencil First Games, of course, um, and Steve Finn is a legend in his own right. But um, Yeah, he just is, does an amazing job of games that literally have one thing going on. Mm-hmm. Like, there's one thing happening with his games, and it does it well, and you kind of just get to look and pick, like, what's the thing that I want to do? Okay, what's the theme that goes with this one thing that I find interesting? there you have it uh the next game and and i do not have this one in front of me so i don't have the designer's name in front of me but it's it's a recent kickstarter that was delivered it's it's a charming euro called encyclopedia yeah i, I believe and the uh designer is uh brie tania thank you yeah and encyclopedia it, yeah that's clever yeah uh <laughs> you know what o- only people our age or older get that <laughs> mm-hmm uh, so yeah, Encyclopedia is is a Euro. Like I said, this is a recent Kickstarter that was delivered. Um, the theme is you're you're one of the researchers collecting information for one of the first encyclopedias being written. So it's set in the 1700s. The entire game is about researching animals. So apparently, the first encyclopedia was just about animals, which you know that's what science was back then. You know, if you were a naturalist, you 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 know, if only animals. there was like a series of books that we could look up mm-hmm. information in. If only that existed. Anyhow. That would be fascinating, yeah. yeah right. So anyway, I love this game. Uh, I've played it four or five times now at a few different player counts. We just played it two-player the other day. Um, it's very fine-tuned. You can tell that they they did the development work on this game. You know, it, in it, you are, you've got money as a resource, and then you've got these research cubes that you're going to be putting on cards and you're picking animals to research. You're going on expeditions to the continents they come from to research their characteristics. And when you do that, you put the cubes on, on uh, their cards and then you publish your findings. And that's where you go to the publishing board and you take those cubes and you put them in the box for the traits. And all of that is end game scoring. Um, you know, the best part of this game is it's dice placement. I love dice placement. Everybody draws four four dice out of a bag at the beginning of the round, and then you place them on your board, and then on your turn, you can use one of your dice, or you can take somebody else's die. 
And when you take their dye, they get the benefit corresponding to the space where they put it. And that's fun. You know, you find yourself saying, somebody else needs to take my dye. I really need this two bucks. Or I really need to move my little reputation star a couple of spaces so I can get a bonus, um, which is another little mechanic on the player board. And, you know, I, I really enjoy that. Um, I was very frustrated playing with you because you would never, ever take my dice. Well, you should have gotten better dice. Now, I should have. So speaking of that, I I like this one too. I, I didn't, I, I couldn't get excited by it. And, and that it's, it's initially, it's my old reservation of crusty dry theme euros even though as we're going to talk about a little later i'm starting to find more and more that i like but i just have something in me that's like oh yeah wow ooh, an encyclopedia that sounds so fun woohoo but it was it was really fun and i think that dice placement thing where you're, you're taking stuff from the other player if you want it was very satisfying when you would take stuff from me. And that's not true. I did take stuff from you, but I was taking the stuff from you that gave you nothing. That's right. There's the one space that gives you nothing. So you try to put your least interesting die there. Yeah. And then was, you got that, yep. that, that power to change one die to six every round. And six is, is the best die result you can have, of course. And so you kept taking my crappy dice. And it was beautiful. Now... I, <laughs> Everything about this game is clever, especially as you're going. You mentioned the, the powers I got because you're able to, it's not buying, but kind of buying mm -hmm. with your dice, these upgrades and powers, but you can only have four of them. So mm -hmm. if you want to keep using one, you can't buy another power. But at the same time, at the end of the game, those turn into set collection. So you want mm -hmm. to keep replacing your powers because that's going to be worth more points. It's very, yeah. very, very clever as, as far as that goes. And I was thrilled that we played with, I don't know what's called the mythic powers or the, the mythic creatures or legendary creatures. Yeah. yeah. And so meanwhile, we were researching like real animals. Oh, the tortoise. Oh, mm -hmm. the blue footed booby. Oh, the woodchuck. And then the kraken. You know, so clearly mm -hmm. we are really bad at our job because we are making like we're like the guys making who drew the up. map, the old maps. Mm -hmm. And we're like, oh, clearly here be monsters, people. So, yeah. but all of that very clever. The only thing that really got stuck with me, also a great production. Mm -hmm. like, I, I don't know if that's a deluxe edition that you have, or that's just the only edition, but. It, I, I don't remember if there was a base game edition that has metal coins. Yeah, really, really, really nice metal coins. The art, the, the creatures look good. Really well laid out board. But I question that the scoring goes up to, I think, in theory, 500. I think you can get yeah. up to. I, I think your your scoring tokens go up to four hundred. So in yeah. theory, oh, so, so I guess four hundred ninety points because you can go all yes. the way. Yeah, and um, we barely broke. We didn't even break two hundred. I don't think. And so, and I don't know if that's a player count thing because I played a four player game a few days before that went to around three hundred, and, and the scores ranged from I think two seventy five to just over three hundred. It was a very close game. I, I do think it's probably more interesting with more players with more people to take dice from and then more people potentially taking your dice. I agree. But yeah, it was, it was a clever game. I'd definitely, I'd definitely play, play that one again. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to judge them with two little ones, two quick ones, because okay. I got two of them that now these, these I have been playing this past week and the, the, the week prior I haven't played this. And one is called buried beneath. And if you're not, 
watching or listening. It, it's a mint tin game. Very small. It's a worker placement slash tower defense style game. And you build out your little town with cards. And each turn, you have a couple workers you can place out, which are townsfolk, because you are the hero that retired and opened an inn. And now the monsters are coming to the town. You're like, well, I don't want my inn to burn, so I guess I got to save the town. You know, that's how, how things happen. I like that. Yeah, except you don't actually do anything. You send your workers out, and by sending the worker out, it boosts your attack power or whatever. And you send a worker out, and it gives you move, which lets you move. So I guess you're sending the worker out to get your sword, and you're like, I can't be bothered to walk. So you send a worker out to like push you in a wheelbarrow or something. I don't know. But the monsters are closing in, and the monsters, where they come from, kind of rotates around this, the town, and they destroy things as you go. It is a super, and you have to survive three rounds to win. It is really clever. I love everything about it in theory. My only issue is it's like an hour long. And I just, it's not like, it even says it on, on the box. It says an hour. I just don't know that a Mint 10 game needs to be an hour long. I feel like if I'm going to play for an hour, there's other games that I would pull out. But I guess if I was, you know, at a coffee shop for a while, maybe, maybe this is, is what I bring. So I don't know. It's an intriguing game. I definitely enjoy it. It's very hard, really hard. But it's it's just got an odd length to it. And when you stop and think about the theme, it's a little bit like, why can't I walk myself? You know, unless, of course, I'm just doing it wrong, which is also possible. But on the flip side, it has a bunch of different heroes that you can be which are all very different. They all have very fun powers. So it does make you want to kind of go, go back and play. You know, I think if you're into that solo and the you know, tower defense idea and you like worker placement, then it's like a, you absolutely need to look at it. It just feels long to me, but you know, I know you haven't played it. I should have, maybe I'll put it in your hand on Saturday. You can try it. And then the other yeah. quick one, it's a, I actually, I left it at school. It tells me how good of a teacher I am. It's sitting on my desk. It's called Pocketbook Adventures. Now, they this was sent to me, said, oh, we want you to check it out before we do a crowdfunding campaign. I never heard when the crowdfunding campaign was going to be, and now it's done. But they've got late pledges or something coming. So it's fine. And this is a, it looks like one of those, those little tiny spiral notebooks you can get. Like they're the really small ones. They're like, you know, three inches by two inches or whatever. It's about that size. And it's this little grid of like little maps and you're moving around using your pencils drawing a path through this well th this map and you're picking things up and you have to turn in you know you have to turn orthogonally and you're moving all the way to you get to something and you turn you move another direction and so you're limited with, with the movement that you can do and so eventually you're running into things you have to fight and the way you fight now this way you fight i thought at first like this is dumb but I think it really works. So you put your pencil on the page in a certain spot. Then you close your eyes and you lift it and try to hit it onto the target. So you know where the target is. And so if you hit it at the right spot on the target, you get, you know, X successes or, you know, whatever. And so what I was thinking at first, so I was like, well, I'm just going to get really good at it. Because I don't know about you, but I used to read the uh, Lone Wolf books by, by Joe Deaver. They're great choose your own adventures but you actually had to like fight and stuff 
and you used a random number generator to attack things. In retrospect, just, you know, a 10-sided die would have been better, but in the back of the book, there's a grid of zero through nine. You were supposed to take your pencil and wiggle around and tap it somewhere. Well, by the end, I was really good because I knew where the stuff was. I could keep always getting the number that I needed or very close to it. But each map, it moves where the target is. Ah. Like, just enough to be annoying as crap. Mm -hmm. So... That pocketbook of it, it, it's it's a clever little thing. I don't think it is something that I would play all the time, but it's something just in my bag. I'm sitting on a on the BART. I'm sitting on a plane. I'm, you know, just waiting for someone to show up to join me for coffee or something. 100% I can see playing through that. It's a clever little thing. It's very simple, very easy. I guess there's no replay value unless you're going to go in and like erase stuff, but that's silly. But yeah, so that's a pocketbook adventure. It's a clever, that's a clever little game. All right. I'm intrigued. Yeah. You know, one. it's uh, my, my brother, Steve, uh, 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 Skippy, mm -hmm. Skippy designer of Lunar Rush. He, he, he tried to keep it when uh, I saw him over the Christmas holiday. I said, you can't, you can't have it. I got to cover this thing. And then of course now I'm covering it on a podcast. So I guess I could have let him hold on to it for a bit, but you know, I'll bring it to you and you can play it and you can send him pictures about how I let you play it because you're a big media man. You know, your brother likes me more than you. That's the message I'm going to send him. Uh, yeah, that's fair. That's fine. Yeah. Um, you know, cause, cause he, he ordered me something off Kickstarter like three years ago. Mm -hmm. It's actually delivered. I still don't have it. Huh? I actually had the opportunity to get it and review it like three months ago i could have gotten in reviews no 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 no. My, my brother it was a very very nice gift and got me it didn't come yeah so so i think i do like you better all he's right. out of the will wow all, all right. right all right well what's your next one so oh I'm, my so gosh this, this your next one you've been banging on about this thing for like two years now and i'm going to talk about two as well because i had one of these on the list and then we happened to play the other and there's a connection between them but whenever i see you know the the very very frequent facebook posts like what is the hidden gem that nobody's heard about you know what is the most underrated game i always say majesty for the realm which is this game here uh, it's by mark andre who is the designer of splendor and splendor is a fantastic game but i prefer this one um it is a card drafting game. Um, everybody has a set of cards in front of them that make up their their village. It's like a, a little panorama, and each card is a different building. And there's a little market of cards in the center of the table, and you're taking a villager from that market and putting it in your village. And then each building scores based on its type of villager, and you play that until everybody has 12 villagers in their, their city, and then you do some in-game scoring. So it's a very efficient quick game it's, it's easy to get to the table it's you know it's a good filler it's good for you know we played it the other night just because we had just finished a longer game and we wanted to do one more thing and it's it's that game like it's it's easy to remember how to play and, and get it going and you know the um the scoring is really cool you know like the, the first card is a mill and for every miller that you have there you get two points so the more you add the more points that building scores uh, the next one is the brewer. For every brewer, you get a couple of points and a meeple. And the meeples are what you use to buy cards in the market. And 
Century Spice Road style. You know, if you want the first card, it's free. If you want the third card, you have to put a meeple on each of the first two. Uh, so it's like you're sending people out to recruit the villagers. I don't know. They're meeples for some reason instead of coins. So each of them kind of gives you something a little different. One of the, a couple of them score for that card and the two neighboring cards. And so it's a neat little mix of scoring. But my, my favorite part of this game is the scoring points are tokens, little plastic tokens like the, um, the ones you get in Splendor. They're a smaller version and they're just tokens with a number on them. But uh, it, it just adds this tactile experience to the game that I absolutely love. And you have and, to understand, so Don uh, introduced this uh, to, to me and my wife also, the, I don't know, mm -hmm. I guess a month or two ago now. And yeah, they're nice little tokens, but they are very clearly not enough. So yes. you very clearly have to keep exchanging these tokens mm -hmm. constantly. And, and they're, it's a weird uh, uh, counts. It's like ones, threes, twenties. Yeah. There, there are ones and twos and then ten. That's right. Yeah, one, two, ten, fifty, and then a hundred. So, and you know, when I say there's not enough of, people, like you have to understand, there's really not enough, and it's extremely intentional uh, because you know you love fiddling with the, the poker chips in in Splendor, right? You love playing with regular poker chips. If you're at the blackjack table or something, you're you're playing with your poker chips. You're moving around. They just it's fun, and. So every time you score points, you're reaching out, you're getting some chips and, you know, you get five twos and you're like, oh, I need a 10 now. I'm going to make change. So you're constantly making change with this market. And you can find multiple threads on BGG of people complaining that there aren't fives in this game. Why didn't they do fives? This is such a big production error. And it's like, no, it's intentional. Like they want you making change. They want that tactile experience to be part There's of the some game. Some people I, just like to watch the world burn, Don. Yes. That's that, it. That. it could be that, but I like to think that it's a pleasant intention. Uh, yeah. Anyway, I, I absolutely love it. I, I love the, you know, just the, something tactile like that in the game. It's not necessary, but it just elevates the experience. And and the game underneath is excellent. Yeah, it, you so know, it, I, it was fun. The The only thing that I'll toss out there is mm -hmm. I made the table so irritated when we played. Yes. It wasn't intentional. But there's the one there's uh soldiers or whatever that that makes you mm -hmm. attack other people and it hurt, it doesn't it doesn't cripple you but it hurts you a little bit, and I kept taking them and attacking everybody not because I wanted to attack everybody because I was scared that you were going to attack me, mm -hmm. and it worked in my favor I think I think I got second place I mean or I may have won I don't know second place or or won, but the dirty looks I was getting from my wife also yeah so. I was playing it with with Adrian, my son, and his boyfriend Corbin um, the other night. Um, my wife Jessica came in just as we were about to start playing. I was like, "Hey, do you want to play?" And she's like, "No." I got so angry last time we played that game. Will kept killing my people. Well, she should so get better it, people. It lasted. You know? It clearly lasted. Oh yeah, there's that. So you know, and it's not like a a real take that kind of a thing, right? Because if you get a knight. Um, and the you're attacking all the other villagers, and then there's also a guard a guard house. And if you have a guard there, and somebody puts down one knight, then your guard protects you. Nobody nobody gets hurt. But if they have two knights and you have one guard, you lose your leftmost villager, and they go to your infirmary, which is the last card. And if you don't get them out, they're negative one point at the end of the game. And also, they're not producing points for you as long as they're in the infirmary. So. It's not an end of the world kind of a thing, but it's still like that tiniest bit demoralizing every time it happens. So yeah, and you know, it's, I think you know. it was kind of a 
death by a thousand cuts type thing. Yes. Because it just it just kept happening and they just kept coming out perfectly for me to get them easily. Mm-hmm. And I was just really scared of everybody. <laughs> and I was like, no, I'll attack. You know, best offense is good defense. Now, so sorry, I, I may have said this was not the game you're always banging on about, but I play the this next game that you're talking about. This is the one that every time just about you play, you'll send a picture to our little chat room. Like, have you played this? And the so this is still Barony. Not. Yeah. Uh, Barony, also by Marc Andre, which we happened to play last night, the day after we played Majesty for the Realm. And this is his area control game. And it's a game that, you know, few people have heard of and they will all rave about it. And most people have not heard of it. Um, I don't know what year it came out. It's not that long ago. It's from Mabigo. So it's a French publication. It has an expansion. So it was at least successful enough to get an expansion. Um, But it is, it's a very clean, well-designed, efficient area control game. It's all known information. Like there's no randomness in the game other than, you know, it's got hex tiles that you deal out randomly to build the board in whatever shape you want at the beginning of the game. You know, usually you aim for something rectangular or oval shape. There's but, a lot of people that draw dirty stuff with that, I'm sure. But that but now so, next time you play, you're going to because now you're gonna think sure. yeah. so that that's the one random bit of the game is you randomly build the map at the beginning. Um, but after that, you know, everybody has five castles, a certain number of villages, strongholds, and a number of knights. And you have a certain number of actions available to you, and you can do one per turn. You know, one might be recruiting knights out onto the board. One might be, you know, turning all of your knights into villages or strongholds. So you spread your knights out, and then on a certain turn, you're like, okay, I have enough out there. I'm going to turn them all into buildings. And when you do that, you get resources, which are just these little shields. It's interesting graphic design. It's interesting art. It's not the the flash the flashiest thing in the world, but I, I wouldn't change it. I think it's great the way it is. Uh, it's got a certain character to it. Uh, but yeah, the resources are just these little shields with pictures and you get, you know, more valuable ones from farms than you get from mountains. You know, it's like they're worth more points. And And then you can, another action you can do is turn one of your villages into a castle. And you only get to do that twice per game because you start the game by putting three castles out on the board and you yeah, take you, you, doing clean, that. you clearly make the mortar with the blood of the peasants and there's only so many Absolutely. peasants to go over. that's right yeah yeah, yeah. You, this is guys i read an encyclopedia when don and i played a game i know how things work so it's you know it's everybody starts with the same stuff you know what everybody has and it's all it's very you know i always say chess like it, it doesn't feel like you're playing chess but in that Everybody has the same actions available. Everybody has the same pieces available. And it's all about what is that person going to do? Do I need to block them? If I send my guy over here, are they going to kill him? Because, you know, if you have one knight in a space and somebody sends two of their knights in there, they kill your knight. It comes back to you. Um, so, uh, if they uh, you, send two knights into a space of your village, they burn it down and they steal one of your resources. It's so very disrespectful. Yeah. yeah. So here's my they question. They shouldn't have built there. Uh, that, that, you know, that is true. Um, we do mm-hmm. we do blame the victims yeah. um, when you play games of Don. Uh, what's the king-making potential like? Because you know, I mean, that that's what people really go on about, especially if you play one of these games at three-player count. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, for one thing, this game it doesn't go on long enough. 
to to create king making this is a you know especially i think at three players we played it in i don't know 45 minutes last night and granted we've all played it before so we knew what we were doing we started right out and you're never bitter enough that somebody else killed your knight that you want to help the other person win because you have no hope right like that's oh i can hold a grudge making happens i can hold a grudge you can but like i'm saying this game is not long enough for your grudge to matter it's okay there'll be another game i'll hold it but it's just you know it's more like you're like am i am i going to do something to grow my resources or to build one of my cities or do i need to do something defensive um there's not a lot of offensive you're usually trying to knock somebody's stuff down because they're encroaching on your uh, a territory that you want or you know occasionally it's you want to burn down their village so you can steal one of their resources but there's not a lot of that mostly you're trying to build your own sandcastle and not knock other people's down but that threat of attack is kind of what adds a little bit of tension to the game that makes it really fun right you, you can't just go wherever you want because somebody's gonna gonna snipe your guy and it's just it's really fun it's a nice tight space um you know there's no turtling in the corner but one of the fun actions that you do maybe once per game is you can can't remember what it's called it's something like adventuring but you you can have two of your knights in a space you remove one from the game and the other one can go any edge space on the board so it's questing or something like that so it's a way to get out of an area that you're stuck and go start over in another space or oh know. that's just because um i've never yeah. played well i've played like once uh terra mystica or terra mystica mm -hmm. or gaia project one of those two one i've heard those. a lot of people saying the big thing is if you aren't smart you can just get trapped in the corner and you're done mm -hmm. so that that's interesting yeah. that's what worked way around it in that kind of a game yeah All right, I'm, so, I'm so yeah. you'll you'll enjoy it i I'm, I'm eager to introduce it to you and i think your wife would like it too I no no the killing of her knight no no, no she does not she will be upset you kill her well, knight. you know better you just won't do that she will. Um, you would think so. i know better how did majesty for the realm go well there's that you have every that was turn. a learning game though uh-huh yeah and yeah. i haven't learned yet apparently not all right so anyway i i love this game it's something that you know i heard a couple of folks you know on podcasts or something talk about how great it was and decided to get it and it, it really is fantastic so you know I, blender is a great game it's a lovely introduction to, to engine building but you know these games just feel unique to me all right well i will, will i look forward to we the next time you send me a picture of it and ask me if i played it i can't wait all right so my, my next one is one that uh i, I can't see you ever playing like oh, ever good. let's hear about it and i just posted a video yesterday about this yesterday from the day of recording and that is dungeon universalis this is the biggest sandbox out this side of dungeons and dragons or whatever it is that we're playing now because of the hasbro open game license thing that's going on it is this massive not quite gloomhaven sized box but close game where you can do anything you want it's got a rule system to it and it's got a rule for everything like go ahead and like i bet you could name something and i can tell you yes there's a rule for that something that sounds like you can might be able to do there's a rule for it go ahead pick something pick something can you can you cook a chicken dinner uh you can't you uh i don't know if you can cook it but you can definitely go eat it 
you can definitely go to the tavern and eat it. Close enough. And I, I, it's there. It is possible that you can get a chicken companion. I don't know that for a fact. Oh, but it is possible because the the stack of companions is like this thick, and I haven't even gone through all of them. So it uh, that's a definite maybe. That is a definite maybe. Um, but it's there's modifiers for anything. So what I, if you're interested, is good. Go watch the video because there's there's so much stuff. But for example, you want to shoot somebody. I'm going to shoot the bad guy. So you have your bow. Great. On two dice, you got to roll a 10. You roll your two dice and you add your range attack value. Don, you're really good at it. So we'll say you got a four. You got to roll a six. But here's the thing though, Don. Did you move? Of course you moved. Did you move more? Because if you move, that is a modifier. You get a negative. Did you move more than half your movement value, Don? You did. You did. So that's another modifier. Oh, is it more than six spaces away? Because that's a modifier. Is it more than 12 spaces away? That's another modifier. Mm. Are you shooting them in the back? You would, because that's how you do things. That's a bonus that you have. And that is just for shooting. I'm not even talking about what if they have a shield? Because then there's more modifiers for that. What if they've cast a spell recently? There's more modifiers for that. God forbid you roll a snake eyes on your dice, because then literally your bow might break now of course when they're blocking what they when you shoot at them god forbid they roll a one or a snake eyes because then their shield might break this is that's just shooting i'm only talking about shooting i'm not talking about moving i'm not talking about running i'm not talking about moving through the dungeon where if you move too far away from somebody you're splitting the party don't split the party because you split the party you roll a die and see if the evil gm is going to play a trap or something on you which I will say, you can play this with a dark player. You can play one versus many. You can have someone be the bad guy, and then every time you go into a dungeon, they have a set of cards and points that they can spend. And so anytime you do anything, they can be, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. That door, mm, that door's locked. Oh, no, you thought that was a door. That's a portcullis. That's a portcullis that will drop a boulder on you. Like, anything you want. It does everything, and it has a very cool overland big map, and you move around from region to region, and every time you move from one region to another region, it takes a week, of course. You roll a die, based on the region, you may have an encounter, and that encounter might be something nice. Oh, you found chickens playing chess. Roll an intelligence check to try to cook and eat them, or maybe you run into bandits bandits are here you have a choice you can just roll a check and see what happens or you can go do an entire combat adventure that takes the place of the adventure you were going on instead or maybe it's something good and the stack of these is huge because there's i don't know nine different types of terrain that you can be in even the cities have one Every, every city or wherever you go to has different things that you can see. Maybe there's a shrine in this city, but you don't, know, you don't want the shrine. You want to learn how to cast a new spell. So you've got to go all the way across the map to the place where they has the magic school. It's insane. Now, it's also fun. Like It mm-hmm. is a fun game if, for me, you're willing to just ignore crap. Like, just, like, just ignore, ignore. You know, like how much immersion do you want? You know, Mm -hmm. and for me, I don't really care about like how much weight I can carry. Like I, I just I eyeball it. 
you know, like, yeah, okay. Yeah. That makes sense. And yeah, whatever. We'll, uh, we leave the other stuff outside. I roll a die. Maybe it gets stolen. Like, yeah, like whatever, just move on. But what's neat is the game clearly is made that you, it encourages that it very clearly is a system. You can put whatever world you want in it. You can make up your own world, use their world. It's got three huge campaign books of stories. And as you just discover more stories, like where I just stopped, I'm following the main quest. I just got to a point where I have a choice. I can continue the main quest or I can go do a side quest. But that side quest is flagged to where it's like, no, you're not only starting a side quest, you're starting a side campaign that I can go hmm. off and follow that for. It's in, It's crazy the amount of things that you can do. I didn't even talk about character creation. There's like 40 races that you can be and another like 40 classes. And each one of those has like 50 different skills that you can get. It, so playtime is four to six weeks. It, yes and no, because each of the campaigns. Now, you know, if I choose to do go to a campaign within the campaign, it'll, it'll probably be 18 games, 18 mm -hmm. quests. But that's not that long. Some of the quests are an hour. But you know, that said, I've played, I don't know, 20 hours of this thing and I'm maybe a third mm. of the way through. It's it's fun. It's really unique. It's it almost feels like it's solo D D in some way. It, it it's very clever. I can see people loving it or hating it. I I I I enjoyed it. I, I don't put it as like one of the top dungeon crawls of all time, but it's definitely up there as one of the most unique. I mean, super, super clever. Um, I actually, I just backed the, the new stuff and just got like the new books and stuff. It came with this huge bag of stand. It wasn't a bag. It was a box, but the person who sent me the game, the insert got damaged. So I just threw that away. And I had this huge, like two gallon plastic bag full of standees. I just, I just sold those to somebody. I'm like, I'm not, I have, I have little tokens that I'll do. I'm not, I'm not digging through the, this bag to find a spider standee or a chicken or whatever but it's people love the people who love it they boy they love it and the people who don't like it man they really hate it anyhow that yeah this is not well you play you play role-playing games so maybe you would you would enjoy it i don't know yeah sometimes i do and and i do like a sandbox you know you said that's the sandbox of sandbox games and i like sandbox games you know i i, I like being able to you know, when I play video games, I like open world games where you can just wander around and, you know, like, oh, the princess is going to get killed if we don't go save her. Okay, but let me go get this guy's chicken for him first. You know, I, yeah, right. I mean, the, he needs the chicken. Breath of the Wild is one of the greatest games ever. So, you know, I love that kind of stuff. But then when you describe, you know, shooting your bow and there's 7,000 modifiers, like this is for Dungeons and Dragons players of the 1970s. Yes, yeah. yeah, so, you know, you it know, is interesting. They had more I, time on their hands. You know, yeah. it's like, I'm going to shoot my bow. Okay, let me get my slide roll out and we'll figure out what you did. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I, I When I was finishing up the last one I was playing, it was all pretty quick. And I will say they okay. did do a good job. It does come with uh, poker card sized uh, reference cards. It, mm -hmm. it is pretty quick to figure the things out, but it's just. I'm encouraged by that. There's a, there, there, there is just a rule for everything. And it's just about deciding how much immersion do you want and where, where do you want to be like, eh, I'm not going to do that. And I've never felt more comfortable being like, yeah, I'm not doing that. Nope. Ignoring that rule, ignoring that whole so section of rules. Well, that's good. I, that the fact that that options there is great. I mean, that's, that takes some work to make that work to make that possible and, and not break the game. So 
that's interesting. And so like, are the reference cards good enough that you're not digging through the rule book every time you want to do something? Yeah, they're, they're pretty good. Um, I, I found that I was definitely, now what's not good, I totally forgot about this in my video, is there, there's an index at the back of the, the main rule book. Mm -hmm. It is useless. Huh. It just, you know, it'll you're looking up how to advance your characters or, or level them up. And it'll say, oh, that's on page 22, 49, and 112. And it's just like every time like the word is mentioned, you know, it'll be there. So that that's that that's that's frustrating. But for the most part, the stuff you do all the time, it's pretty it's decently easy to find it. And you know, like I said, I don't feel bad about just ignoring it. I'm like, I can't, I can't find it. Ah, I'm just going to do this. Now let's move on. So yeah. that is Dungeon Universalis. It's it's cool. I, I'm holding on to it. I'm actually really ex excited because I have another game that's very comparable coming called League of Dungeoneers, which is very similar in this kind of open world sandbox adventure. And so I'm very excited to put them next to each other and and, and, and compare because no one has shelf space for both. You know, which one's it going to be? All right. What's your... Oh, you've done all your... Oh, so I'll do my last one real quick. Yeah, like I said, we're going long on this, but so this is one that I bought because I loved their most recent design from these designers. And the most recent one is Revive. And this is an older, well, I guess I think it's 2019. So it's, well, board game years, that's like ancient, mm -hmm. uh, called The Magnificent. And it's one that shows up on sale places all the time. So I finally picked it up on sale. And this is a, you're running a circus and you're putting on shows. And it's a dice drafting action selection game. It's not really a dice placement game because mm -hmm. you're going to draft a die and you're going to put it on one of your four cards that you have, which the card you put it on will give you a bonus, but has no relation to what you do. Every die you take, you have a choice. You can move, move one of the wagons, which is where you get more resources. You can build something and these little polyominoes that you're building up your camp and if you put things out in the camp you're getting bonuses for whatever you cover or you can do a performance that's it and depending on the dice you use you start looking at the colors and you add up the numbers and that tells you how many shows you can do and whatever but that's all you're doing and you're going to pick up new circus tents as you're going with moving the caravan around which allows you to do more shows but that's that's really all you're doing and then at the end of each round you're going to throw away one of your cards and you're going to score whatever the condition is at the bottom of that card and then you'll draft a new card from the tableau and a new little ability that gives you a little bonus and it's really cool i've only played solo i played three solo games it's not it's a beat it's a beat your score also known as it's a how few points did you lose by because it is i can't you're supposed to get 200 points i the closest i got was 160 which is not you know that's a big percentage way but it is it's a really cool game it's a cool enough game that i went looking for the expansion which you can't find anywhere but i have a friend who lives in canada who's coming to visit and so he actually i was able to get it shipped from board game bliss to him and so he's going to bring it to me and it's Canadian dollars, so it's like it's practically free. Yeah. Uh, it this it is a cool game, and it's a tiny 
or board game, tiny little box. Just, it's really cool. It's really cool. And I know you have it, but you haven't played it yet, right? That's right. I've been itching to play it. But um, one of those things, I bought it when it was on sale once, just like you, and just gotten it to the table. We've gotten through all the games we've been playing. This is officially far and away the longest games that we've been playing. Thank you for everyone who's still, still listening or watching. All right. What's on your table to play next? Yeah, so this will be a quick topic, but you know, Star Wars Rebellion is sitting on my table right now. It's, you know, the box is sitting on my table, but yeah, I'm playing it tomorrow with a friend who's coming over. You know, we usually, you know, my, my local game group is, you know, three of us, and we usually get together every couple of weeks. It used to be every week, but the other friend isn't available. So I said, why don't we play something two players? So we're going to play Star Wars Rebellion. This is a fantastic game, and anybody who's played it will tell you that. Um, it's one of the games that I bought in 2020, you know, when everything was shut down and I thought I should go buy one of the expensive games at my local game store because they're barely open and they, you know, need some help. And so it's one of those games I got. You single-handedly kept the store open. That's right. Well, I bought this and Feast for Odin, so they they made a ton of money there. I paid retail for both. Uh, So anyway, um, it's one of those, you know, it was an opportunity to like go buy things I'd been eyeing but just hadn't bought and and then, you know, played them with family at home when we couldn't go anywhere else. So, you know, they were they created joy for us. And but this is a fantastic game. It's immersive into the Star Wars universe. I've, I've played it a, a couple of few times with my son, William. He's the only person I've played it with so far, but he is a big fan of Star Wars Risk which if you've not played it, it's it's nothing like regular Risk, which is, you know, not the best game in the world, though I loved it back in the 90s. Uh, Star Wars Risk is is a recreation of Return of the Jedi, and you're either playing the Empire or the Rebellion, and the Rebellion is, you know, fighting as Luke Skywalker on the Death Star and moving ships around in the center board and moving the, the, the little rebel um, group on Endor to go take over the, to go destroy the shield bunker and all that. So he loves that game. So I was kind of dying to see what this was like. And we loved it. And, you know, he always plays the Empire. He loves playing the Empire in both games. And so, yeah, it's just a really immersive game. The theme is obvious, like the the Empire is trying to find the Rebel base and the Rebels are trying to stay away. And, you know, there's a clock to the game that can end immediately if the Empire discovers the Rebel base. And it's basically the whole game. I need to refresh myself on the rules before we play tomorrow, but it's great. Yeah, I've played this. a a few times and one absolutely get that expansion Mm -hmm. like it it adds a few cards to it but it makes battle fighting significantly more rewarding so to definitely get that yeah it it is it's a long game there's a lot going on but it, it can be very very satisfying and uh and there's moments where you feel like you're doing the movie so the first time i played i was playing the rebels and it was looking bad. Like it was definitely looking bad. And an amazing moment happened. Now it wasn't an X-Wing, but uh, my opponent had two Death Stars going around. And I guess he just wiped me out. And I said, well, you're going to leave that one Y-Wing alone? You're going to do that? And he, I swear to you, he was like, you and a Y-Wing can do nothing to me. <laughs> I had the card, blew up his Death Star, with one Y-Wing, won the game. 
I felt like the end of the movie. It was just awesome. And the, the, the other time that I, I, I won as the Rebels, I remember very, like, I put the damn base on Hoth. I was like, this is what's happening. You will mm-hmm. never look there. And mm-hmm. it w- didn't go close to Hoth. The whole game, I was like, where was it? I was like, Hoth, haven't you watched the movie? He was so mad. It, that is a, it deserves all the love it gets. It's just, it's just long and it, it's a complex game. There's a lot going on. I'm, I'm itching to play it. It's been at least a year since I've played it. And so I'm excited. Are you, are you an Empire man or a Rebel this time? Do you know? I don't know. We may have to flip a coin. Ooh. I haven't asked my, my, my other friend if he has a preference. All right. So uh, the next on the table for me, it's a, it's, a, it's a twofer. One is a game I'm constantly talking about in the monthly menu that I want to play. But uh, you and I and Bernie, our friend Bernie, and somebody else, I don't know, we are going to play Vindication on Saturday. I've been trying to get it back to the table forever. That's happening. And the other thing I have on my table is a game I'm talking about recently called Monasterium, which you've played with me. But I'm particularly excited about it because apparently there's an expansion, which I didn't know existed, which is really hard to find. Except BGG had one in their BGG store. And I paid way too much money for nine tokens that are the size of a quarter. I mean, I paid five bucks, but for nine tokens, the size of a quarter. And this card of rules. But uh, this is a dice drafting, but it's got like this reverse dice draft to start the start each round where you're monks and a donkey cart and you're sending initiates and making stained glass windows and making soup and getting rosary beads. And there's everything thematically that I hate about Euro games, but it's just so fun. So I don't know if we're going to play it also on Saturday, but I'm hoping that we are. And that that's the one I got up on my table for next. It's incredibly dry. It's a, it's a very beige Euro, but it's fantastic. It, well, except for the stained glass. The stained glass has some color. Well, yeah, it's beige in terms of mechanics and flow of the yeah. game and all of that. It's it's as beige as any other beige euro. Yeah, Bernie did ask me to bring unsettled, so we'll see what we manage to get. And I think I'm bringing more we're, between us. We're bringing more games than we'll be able to play. It's a good thing he doesn't have any. But games. We'll do our best. Moving into our topic that we're talking about, and this one we didn't actually talk about the topic. I just kind of made it up, but this should be relatively quick. We don't have to dive in deep. And so uh, I, I thought we could be salty here. We could be a little bit mm-hmm. salty. And so the topic is, what is the biggest turnoff you have in regards to a game? Like, what is it that'll make you say, not playing it, not buying it. I don't care how good it is. What is it that that'll get you every time? Whereas the kids would say, what would make you nope right out? Did they say that? Uh, so I... First of all, this is a good question. I don't usually like negative questions. You know, when, when somebody says, what's the most underrated game? I'm like, get out of here. Talk about something positive. And but, then, then, you, then you go back and you're like, barony. But this is, you know, this is a personal preference thing. You know, what, do, what just doesn't bring you joy? And for me, it's social deduction. Um, I, I've not played a social deduction game that I really enjoyed. Um, I have watched Midnight Games of um, Werewolf that were entertaining as heck but if i'd been in those games i would have been miserable yeah just oh my god i'm with you on that the closest to social deduction that i enjoy is hidden role Mm. like you know that level of social deduction okay 
What are you? Yeah. What, 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 what are you? Like, oh, I can get behind that, but yeah, the games like Werewolf or Mafia or what, I just... I and I don't uh, care for hidden movement either. It gives me the same feeling, um, especially when it's one versus many. You know, I'm the one person, I have all the information, you know nothing, and you have to blindly guess until you have enough information to, to deduce something. It's just, it, it's frustrating to me. And, and I don't care which of those two people I am. I just, it's frustrating. And I, you know, I was in one hidden movement game where the first player got AP in the first turn. And I was just like, you have zero information. It matters not at all which thing you pick and you have AP already. This is going to be the worst experience ever. And so, you know, and it, it can depend on the players, but just it, it's not a mechanic that neither of those are mechanics that, that I enjoy. So uh, those are the, by the, primary turnoffs yeah i'm not i'm not huge in hidden movement there, there's a couple that that i do enjoy and there's a for me the hidden movement they need to be a faster game like mm -hmm. if we're going over 90 minutes i'm not interested in, in a hidden movement game then there's a few that that do that um so i'm a little more uh uh my things are a little more uh petty mm -hmm. A lot more petty. So the first one is, if it is a designer or a publisher that is one on the wrong side of history about something, mm. I'm out. I don't care. No, not interested. Or has personally wronged someone I know. I can't get over it. I just, and we've talked about it. I know this about you. And I, I just cannot. I can't get over it. I look at them like, yeah, but you are such a jerk to say, whatever. Now, for a little clarification, I'm not saying that like people have to be like, oh, you're so wonderful. But, you know, just be a normal human being. Don't be an arrogant prick. And I'll play mm -hmm. your game. But, man, when people are, are arrogant or rude or whatever, I'm just like, I don't. There are so many games by people who aren't jerks. I'm going to go there. So that, that, that's one for me. And yes, everybody, their stories and no, I'm not going to say that because I don't want to get blacklisted by anybody. And the other one is any game that is leaning into that 80s style fantasy art chainmail bikini. Mm. I just, I don't, I, I don't need that. Like, I guess I'm old now. I don't know. Like, I, I just, I don't need that in my life. Now, I'm not saying the game can't have sexualized characters. Sure. If everybody's sexualized. I got no problem with it. If that's your art style and just like, you know, you got a picture of Don with his 12-pack abs and huge muscles is like strolling around in the winter with no shirt. Okay. It is every... fantasy, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> well, I just assume that's how you got married. Like, I assume that was mm -hmm. what you did. You just strolled around with no shirt until someone was like, mine. Pretty sure that's how dating works back in your day. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I don't have a problem with that, but it's it's most often it's in fantasy games and it'll be the female characters are wearing three strings and holding, a, you know, a thimble as a shield. And then everybody else is in, you know, full plate armor. And that, that just, I, I, there's so many other games, again, 
that are probably doing exactly what this game is doing, maybe with some variance, and I wouldn't feel awkward playing with my niece or, you know, Mm -hmm. having someone see me playing. Like, like, you know, I'm not not a prude, but it's like you also don't see people sitting out in public like reading a Playboy magazine. You know what I mean? It's just like you get weird looks. So those are the only two things for me. I just, no, I I just, uh, I'm out. I'm out. Right. Those are both extremely valid and I agree with you. Fortunately, the the list of, you know, designers slash publishers who, you know, wronged somebody I personally know is a short list. Yeah, that's true. It's it's not long. Yeah, Um, it's not a long list, but it just... And and the, yeah, the wrong side of history list is maybe slightly longer, but still not long. Yeah, yeah. You know, there there are notable people out there we don't need to mention, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think the wrong side of history list, it's just uh, uh, the people on it have swag. Like mm-hmm. they have games and that have sold very well in the past. And so it becomes that thing. Like, yeah, well, but you know, separate the art from the artist. So sometimes, mm-hmm. and sometimes you just it's get still, a different yeah. artist. Yeah, sometimes the artist makes you feel icky enough that you can't enjoy the art anymore. That's a real thing. So, yeah, there's a few folks. It's like, you know, you hear people still who are like, this person is clearly awful. And by the way, this is my number seven game of all time. And I I, I can't rationalize that. It's fine if others can. But yeah, I I agree with you on that one. It must be because we we live in California. It must be a California thing. It's probably that we're lefty liberals. Yeah, pe- pe- people in the middle of the country are like, we're just the who are we kidding? They're not listening. <laughs> They're not watching it. I bang on about this stuff all the time. All right, so this is usually where we have our sponsor break. Fortunately, we don't have a sponsor this year, so I'm gonna say, check out the channel membership. Now we're going to talk about our featured game, and this is one that is in some ways kind of special because both Don and I are buddies with uh, the one of the, the, the two, well, we like Brad too, but we're closer buddies with Peter Vaughn of Cardboard Alchemy and also of Luke Laurie, one of the designers, also now his son, uh, Maximus, is uh, credited as a designer. So we have gotten to actually play this game for several years now in different forms. Because I believe it was two, two and a half years ago when the first prototype showed up at one of the local conventions. Um, I think. It's definitely been at least two years. So we've had the the pleasure of playing this for, for a couple of years. And so it, it's pretty cool though that we're able to actually talk about andromeda's edge from cardboard alchemy which is probably hitting game found a week or two after this episode airs so here we are andromeda's edge done give us the fast and dirty on the theme of andromeda's edge yeah so the theme is space exploration and competition you know it's we're exploring planets we're gathering resources we're building settlements and and um uh sorry it's been a little while since i played i'm trying to remember the names of the buildings but you're 
you know, I, I played like uh, I played like two weeks ago or three weeks ago, and I, I don't. There, there's a, there's a monolith. There's a monolith. There's an there's observatory. observatory. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so you're building factory? structures on in a city. Let's go with city. I feel sure. like there's a city. Yeah. So it's exploration. It's settling in space. It's it's competing over planets. It's gathering resources moving up tracks and now i'm going from theme into mechanics how but, you dare know, you take my mechanics and so the, the theme is space exploration that's right with lots of factions mm-hmm. and uh so mechanically this is i don't want to say every luke lori game but maybe every luke lori game smashed together thrown in a pillowcase beaten against someone you don't like and then shaken back out because there is something from all of his games in there and what you're left with is a lot of dwellings of eldervale you're gonna that that's the the most analogous one is dwellings of eldervale but you have the same type of activating your tableau that you have in cryo Mm -hmm. you have the combat mechanic from dwellings of Eldervale and a little bit of the kind of the dwelling mechanic there is uh from power grid what comes what comes from power grid you didn't design power grid a power grid uh manhattan project energy empire there oh. it is energy empire you know, what, yeah. what, it's just what, one of those one of those dry euros probably has energy a, power what do you yeah, you know it probably thing. has an unhappy white dude on the cover you know one of those games uh yeah. energy empire it's something that's pulled from energy empire also so that, that's got a tableau building element to it too. Um, it's got building structures, although the structures are cards in that game. There's something very specific from Energy Empire, and I'm blanking on it too. But um, yeah, I was hoping that you remembered because Luke literally told me at one of the conventions. I, I just can't remember. But point is, all all these things are in there, and and it truly does feel like it, it's built on mostly on the bones of dwellings of eldervale where you are putting a worker out on the board and each of your workers has different powers different things they can do and you're going to activate the planet or area of the universe that you land on and if you're too close to one of the raiders or the monsters they're going to come in they're going to attack you you're going to have to fight and you're going to be collecting moons that have resources on them you'll be building new ships because you're going to be uh, uh, you'll be building new ships getting your resources and the biggest thing is building out your tableau and this is where it moves away from dwellings the most because dwellings you kind of you built a tableau in dwellings mm-hmm. but to me dwellings was not a game about building a tableau it was about making sure you have the dwellings out there that's where you get the big points and right i mean in the name oh yeah oh wow i didn't see that i didn't, I didn't get that hey. at all um but the tableau building in Andromeda's Edge to me is far more robust mm-hmm. because you build or you can build a lot more thing than you can get spell cards or whatever they're called in dwellings. So you have these huge tableau that you're building and the ways that you can activate different things on the tableau is much more intricate. And then along with it, so you're doing all these dwellings things, but you're also going up these five different tracks. And as you go up each track, each track does something different. And going up each track is giving you different bonuses 
that are in-game bonuses, immediate bonuses, and new ships, and blah, blah, blah. There's so much stuff going on. So I told Don I was going to do the mechanics in 90 seconds. That took like five minutes because there is, this has to be the heaviest game that Luke Laurie's ever designed. Like it, it has to be. Yeah, absolutely. This is far more complex than Dwellings. Yeah. Which is not a dig against either game. This is just different. This is a more complex game. Yeah. Um, so when this more, was yeah. initially uh, starting, I, I was joking um, that it should be called Space Dwellings in Space to the death of mm -hmm. space because it's what it sounded like but it, it it's truly to me developed into something different it, it's it's way crunchier mm -hmm. i mean it is way crunchier and i also really appreciate that some of the stuff that people get so salty about in dwellings they've looked at like i don't know if you ever get salty about it i don't because my dice rolling is terrible no matter what but mm -hmm. people get really salty when you're fighting in dwellings because it's that combat where if you roll a six, that's the winning number. Mm -hmm. So my one die could beat your six dice if you just roll trash. But it's even mitigated that because if you have a whole bunch of ships, if I have three ships, anytime I roll a two or below, I get to re-roll it. So it's, it's, it's taken all these different things that you know people complain about and they've just slightly modified it. It's very, very clever yeah. the, the way that they've done that. Um, yeah, I, I think the dice mitigation is really cool in Andromeda's Edge. I do want to say that the people who get saltiest about the dice combat in Dwellings have read about the game and never played it. We also call them losers, meaning uh -huh. they lose the game, not that they are personally. I mean, maybe they are. But... Well, they never play the game, so they've lost before they even start. But, you know, there are people that read it and don't think it sounds like fun. They think it sounds too simple, and it's fun it's cool it's quick and efficient and there are stand-up moments in every game and you know who doesn't love that so I, I think the people who criticize it the most haven't played it uh but that's that's dwelling so um but yeah the mitigation in andromeda's edge is still is interesting and cool and different and i like it yeah now you and i have something very in common in this game mm -hmm. we've never won suck no 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 i've won Oh, you I have did. You're probably just I playing went, against me. No, I went down to Los Angeles mm -hmm. and I played against Peter Vaughn, a friend of his, and Chris Strain, who also works at Cardboard Alchemy. And I won. It was oh, good for glorious. You. I should have quit and never played again. But the next time I played, I got waxed. In general, you and I are usually competing for third place. It's, yes. It's usually how that goes. But, I mean, what, what do you like? What do you not like? So what do I, I Peter Vaughn like can't a, get to you. He can't get in your house. What <laughs> do I like might that? be able to. Probably. He's pretty cool. Um, pretty um, resourceful. Honestly, my favorite thing about this is how it throws in a little bit of every one of his games. There's one I think that's missing, and it's because there's there was an element in one of the earlier prototypes and, you know, it, I was commenting on it, that, that I didn't think it added anything to the game. And he said, oh, I know what you're talking about. It's the only thing from this game. Yep. And yep. it's now gone. Yep. There's a thing. I, I was, I'll call it out. It was a thing from, from uh, Whistle Mountain. Yes. Which yeah. is a phenomenal game. It had to, it but, had to say something with, with getting negative points at the end. Everybody was like, yeah, that sucks getting negative points. 
Yeah, and you had you had to you had to distract yourself from the rest of the game to go do a thing to avoid those negative points. Yeah. And so it's something that works amazingly well in Whistle Mountain and just didn't feel right in this game. So um I, I think that's the one that's missing. I, I think the um the energy empire thing is how when you take an action it can trigger all the things that you've built on your tablet. Oh yeah, yeah, because because yeah, if you do the uh the, your reactor, you trigger the entire row. And then you can use energy mm -hmm. to trigger other things. Yes. And in an energy empire, if you take a green action, you get to activate all your green buildings, assuming yeah. you have the, the workers and energy to do that. So, and energy empire, by the way, is one of my favorite games. Um, yeah, you find you, you actually, you, you talk about it so much. I finally played it because I just, I would train the Mediterranean before I make power. Like, mm -hmm. You know, that is uh yeah, I, I get that, um, but it's just, but, but it was fun. It's fun. great. I love it. It's it's just such an efficient game, and it's it was one of the first times I was really impressed by a rule book. And I don't know if that's Luke's doing or the the publisher's doing, but you know, it was one of the first times Luke doesn't know, write rule books. Rule books write him. Uh, relatively early in my gaming life, that I sat down and I read a rule book and I understood exactly how to play the game, and. I'm better at that now than I used to be, but back then that was, that felt like a miracle to me. And I sent Luke a message immediately, like this rule book is so good. Um, anyway, that's that's Energy Empire. That's a departure, but um, anyway, I think that's what my favorite favorite thing is because I, you know, I like I like Luke as a designer, and I like all of his games, and the fact that there's a little bit of all of them in here is fantastic. And you know, th there, there's nothing that is extraneous me yeah, and, and i know the game's not done but th there's no stuff you that just doesn't belong yeah well and th to speak to that like it's not as if there's just there's not much going on there's a lot going on there this is. is a game that i mean honestly i it's probably four games before i could play it and be like okay I, I know what's happening here. I see what's going on. I understand why I didn't do well. I couldn't do better because I'm an idiot, but I understand. Like, I'm not surprised by anything. Uh, but, you know, that's a lot, though. You know, that, that's a lot, lot going on. Uh, one of the things that's really satisfying to me, because I've played it with Luke several times, boy, that man likes his game. Like, he does. <laughs> I, and I, I admire that. Yeah. Like, I don't think there is anybody that likes luke laurie's game more than luke laurie likes this game which is beautiful because i know so many designers that are so tired of playing their mm -hmm. game no, um, more power to him there, yeah. there might be you know dan george might like his games as much as luke likes his games you know yes yes you could put and the, he that, enjoys the heck out of them yep but that that and is that's how it should be yes uh you know i i think we're talking about this is a favorite thing i i really think for me just that managing the tableau mm -hmm. is so satisfying and you have so many options because you have four different i'm gonna call them tableau tracks you can build it's not really a track you're not going up it but things you can build out your tableau and you get so many bonuses by building your tableau every time you get a card you're going up the track you go up the track you're going to get a thing mm -hmm. It's really satisfying. It does that thing that I like in a lot of roll and writes. Uh, like I mentioned Hadrian's Wall before, where 
every time you do a thing, you get multiple things, mm-hmm. which is very, very satisfying. Yet at the same time, it's not forgiving. I mean, you have right. to play a good game. If yep. you don't play a good game, you're going to lose. You know, I take it back. I, I lied to you, Don. I lied. Here's what I like the most. The factions are very different. But if you lean into what your faction does, and I've started doing this every time I play, I'm like, okay, this is what faction does. That's what I'm doing. Whatever I can do to do this the most, it is exceedingly satisfying. And you play a completely different game every time. All the factions are ridiculously overpowered. So that means nobody's overpowered. And it is a blast because it adds a level of replay without changing the game. If you just do what your faction wants to do. And uh, Dwellings does that too, which is why I I like Dwellings. Like the first time I played Dwellings, I I didn't win, but it was real close. And I remember Luke taught the game. And at the end, he's like, like, what did you do? And I I was like, "I I just played like a goblin. Goblin saw an area of order, so I went and I crapped on it. Meaning when I build my stuff and they raise eggs, oh, you did this, 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 and this. I was like, uh-huh. No, I was a goblin. Hmm. But even more so in this, it really kind of pushes you into that. And there's the factions are, are great. There's even a Flamecraft Dragons faction that I think is a stretch goal that, no, I think is a, if you actually back the game, you get, I don't know. But it's, it's there, awesome. Yeah. It might be one of those free for people following the projects kind of things. I'm not sure, but Sandara Tang is doing the art for that, right? Yeah, yeah. I've oh, I've seen oh. the art for the Flamecraft Dragon. In fact, she's also doing some of the other art as well. Oh, I didn't uh, know that. I know there's like a space dragon. I don't know if it's a faction or a monster or whatever, but I think she did that as well. Um, it's it's good. You know what's funny? I know Peter Vaughn right now is watching this or listening to this, and he's just like clenching his fists like no that's not how you get the thing don't say that to the people now people are going to say but i followed where's my flamecraft faction so everybody if you want the flamecraft faction all you have to do is go outside spin around four times and shout to the sky i love bread dragons Mm -hmm. and peter vaughn is nice and somehow you'll get it so just make sure you go guaranteed Yeah. yeah absolutely and join Will's channel membership. Oh yeah, <laughs> yes the, the 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 mighty three. Um, yeah, all right, uh, I thought of something else. So, so the other thing that's from Energy Empire, sorry, is um, the event thing. You know, when when the event card flips over, one of the tracks that you've gone up has scores, mm-hmm. and that happens in in Energy Empire as well. You know, when the those global event cards flip over, one of the area scores based and or sorry, one of the environment scores. And if you have too much pollution there, you're not going to get as much in as many points as other people. And so that's clearly right out of energy empire. And that's also, it's a very gaming. satisfying part of Andromeda's Edge because one of the, like, it's mm-hmm. very, very easy to manipulate that deck. It's, you build one type of ship and you can go into the region of space that lets you look at the top two of those cards and then bury one and then put one on the top. So you can very sometimes you can get this kind of game of a chicken. It's not really chicken, but I'm gonna say game of chicken, where people are swapping out those cards on the top, and then you suddenly get into this thing where like, oh gosh, I got to go back there because I got to make sure the thing that I'm gonna get the most points for, but I don't want Don to get any point. 
very, very satisfying the, the, the way that works out. But not everything is sunshine and roses, all right? Not, not on boards and brews. What are, what, what are your, what are your quibbles with it? I'll let Maybe you ponder. Uh, my, my, yeah, my, my, only, my only real quibble with it, and I already alluded to it, is you got to play several times before mm-hmm. you know what the crap is happening. Not that the rules are hard, not that it doesn't make sense, but there's so many things going on, it's really easy to overlook something. And like we, we mentioned at the beginning, that this is definitely the heaviest game that Luke Laurie has, has designed. I mean, it's this is a heavy game. It is significantly heavier than Dwellings of Eldervale. And it's also significantly more Euro than Dwellings of Eldervale, which is good or bad, depending mm-hmm. on your perspective. But yeah. You know, it's less focused on that area control. It feels less focused on the area control. It's less focused on the on the combat and the dice and the card play. Though there are some great card play adjustments to this, and more focused on those tracks, which you know, again, it is good or bad. That's all I got. And of course, there's no beach. There's the board game dog and chickens faction in the game, which is a complete miss. Well, we have not seen the stretch goal list yet. That is true. That's yes. true. I'm still waiting for cows. Space which, cows. Which is a, a, an inside joke from a dwellings live stream from years ago that I think irritates Peter every time. So I like bringing it up. All right. So, um, so we need on one side of the card, it's mm-hmm. Beatrice, the board game dog, and chickens. Mm-hmm. The other side of the card is space cows. Yeah, absolutely. Like that's a million dollar idea. Everybody wants this. Uh, so quibbles. Um, I was going to say something similar. I'm not, the game is not done, obviously. Like a, the, the game, game found project has not kicked off. Um, so much harder to say than the Kickstarter hasn't, hasn't launched. Uh, anyway, the, the project hasn't launched. The game is still being developed. Um, I think it's changed, a, you know, significantly since the last time I played it, which was a few months ago. Um, mostly because I just keep seeing, Luke post picture saying in play testing amazing changes to this game with with Maximus. So um you know it's possible that he took a whole bunch of pictures in one game and he actually hasn't played months. <laughs> he just changed the lighting. He's just posting amazing, amazing update. Amazing update. I find that hard to believe because he's a tireless designer from from everything I've seen. Um Adrian and I design, you know by spending an hour once every four months on a game, which is why Backyard Chickens took us three years to to make. All that aside, I was going to say something similar. I'm not sure this is going to be an easy game to teach. Um, it's not going to be an easy game to teach to non-gamers for sure, but that's not who those game is for. Oh my gosh. Okay. Real talk here, Flamecraft mm-hmm. people. If Flamecraft was one of your first games because mm-hmm. it was so pretty, and you're right. It is. Gorgeous. Andromeda's Edge might not be the next game to go to. The next campaign that they're doing that I can't talk about, but I've seen stuff, that will be your game to go to. Sure. Because th- th- this, this, this game is for the, per- the hobby gamer that has been there, is crusty, has been around, has done conventions. 
doesn't have a problem sitting at the table for nine hours. Maybe he's wearing a diaper. So they don't have to like, that's who this game is for. Said, look at the game found project and read the rule book and watch some videos. Maybe you're ready for a giant leap forward in your gaming career. Everybody's different. That um, is true. Yeah. This is a gamer's game. It's got a lot of mechanisms in that. Uh, in it, um, they're mostly my favorite mechanisms. Um, my favorite thing in the world is multi-use cards. I'm not sure there are multi-use cards in this game. I don't recall. Um, uh, no, it has multi-use cards, which I think are amazing. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't think it other does. Than other than uh, like, if you get a module, mm -hmm. it'll send you up a track, and then you'll put it in your tableau, and you can use it later. And you can maybe put a moon on it also. That, that's about it. But, you know, I love engine building, and this game is all about engine building. And and so that's fantastic. Um, so I don't have a lot of quibbles at this point other than that I've never won. Um, it just might be difficult to teach. I'm not sure. It's uh, hard it, to say. It, it is. Um, I, I've, I've seen it taught. It but it's and it's it's hard to teach not because there's anything hard it's not like when we played feudum mm -hmm. which is hard to teach yeah i don't remember anything about it i can't wait to play again um yeah but actually no I, that that is true i am really looking forward to playing that again but mm -hmm. it's just there's just a lot there's a lot yeah. of things you have to understand mm -hmm. to be able to play and if you just jump in and you know get the very very basics and learn as you go you're going to be halfway through the game and then go, ah, I get it. And I've lost. Mm -hmm. So it's just, you know, you're going to, you got to play like four times before you really get it, which might be a tall ask for a game of Kickstarter. I mean, a lot of people, they'll play a game twice and they send it on. But yeah. I do think, I mean, I've played this game, I don't know, nine, 10 times now. Um, not counting the the solo games that I played, you know, and it's it's got a lot it's got a lot going for it. Um, it's the other thing is it's going to be a huge box if you get everything in. I don't know that for a fact, but I feel like I know that for a fact. It's going to be a real big box. Yeah, it may be bigger than this dwellings box. No, probably can't be. It's not going to have sound bases. I'm still counting on those light up player boards. I keep telling Peter that's the next thing. Yes. Right. So, you know, you heard it here first that um, unofficially there's definitely going to be LED lights or something and something's going to light up. Mm -hmm. You can program them to different colors. Yeah. Yes. You can make them to go different colors and the, yep. uh, the, the minis will be remote controlled. So they fly. And they will flash when it's your turn. Ooh, so that, there, there goes that person that's like, oh, it's my turn. Yes, these are these are good ideas. Peter Vaughn, I hope you're watching. I mean, um, uh, all right. So now, but before we cost Peter Vaughn more money <laughs> with uh, designing our nonsense, what's your two, three sentence pitch for Andromeda's Edge? I, did, I didn't put this in our, in our spreadsheet. I just thought about it. But like, well, what is your pitch? You know, you, you're at the convention. You're playing yeah. the game. Some guy walks up. And he's like, oh, what's this? Should I go buy this now? So so you can't take dwellings and space travail to the death. That's already yours. Um, oh, space dwellings. Space dwellings. Of space travail. Of, of space travail, right. Space to travail, the death. Elder veil. To do it now to the death with an exclamation mark. 
uh-huh. in space. In space. Yeah. Excellent. You'd think I'd have this down by now. I've heard it yeah, so many right. times. What is my my couple sentence pitch? You know, this is an engine builder with a bit of area control, um, some hand management with the the they're not magic cards in this game, but I can't remember what they're called. Um, tactics, tactics cards. Thank you. Uh, and you know, just a, a a lot of disparate mechanics that work extremely well together. It's a nice system. That was not eloquent, but that's that's how I feel about it. In space. In space. Right. All right. So, uh, everybody, um, Andromeda's Edge coming to GameFound in January. Later this month, yeah. Yeah, in January. Uh, you can just go to cardboardalchemy.com. I'm sure they have a link to it, so you can sign up to remind me. And... Uh, Don, th- th- thanks for for, for joining. Um, we'll definitely have you back. But since we don't have a guest, you are left with what are your words of gaming wisdom? I forgot about this part. It sounds really dumb, but just, you know, play what brings you joy. Don't feel like you have to play everything. Find out what makes you happy. Play that. Um, I think we're going to play Splendor tonight just to make it a Mark andre trilogy. And that's fun. So, is that is that all the Mark Andre games? Do you have all of them? I have no idea what else. He's no, I, I I'm sure he has other things. Those are the three that we have. So right now, that's the trilogy. So, all right, everybody. So um, this was a particularly long episode. We are going to do our very best to have this be a little bit more regular. And uh, thank you so much, uh, Don, for for joining. And as always, please leave whatever thoughts you have down in the comments. If you're watching this video, if you're just listening. Come check out the video and leave some comments there, I guess. I don't know. Uh, Make sure you go check out August Games and get yourself a copy of Backyard Chickens. It is charming as all heck. Very quick. And, and, you know, don't ever play with Don because he will obliterate you. Played not too long ago. He just wiped the table with us. My wife had never played. He's like, I don't care. I will destroy you. Um, he didn't say that, but that was that was his actions. Uh, in any event, uh, as always, if you found this video or podcast interesting and useful, please like, subscribe, share, whatever it is you got to do to get the podcast every time it shows up. As always, thank you so much for watching. You're listening. Have a wonderful, wonderful day. Say bye, Don. Take care. No, I said say bye, Don. Bye, Don. There it is. You would not like this one. So dark. (laughs) It's called Ice Cream Castles. Oh, gosh. I forget what this has hints of. I mean, you know what the theme is, right? Space. I'm going to try to keep it to 90 seconds or less on the mechanics because it's either 90 seconds or 30 minutes. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that's I told Dan he gets $5. He didn't seem to care very much. I was like, you should be very excited about this. That's going to make a major dent in your shipping issues. A board game dog and chickens faction for Andromeda's Edge. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, together. Definitely. Yeah, I mean, clearly Sorry. clearly, Beatrice is the captain, and the chickens just run around and do they, it. They will fight over that. That's part of the charm of the faction.